Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Something With Tea podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steph, and I am with the fabulous Charlotte. Hi, Steph. Where have you been? (laughs) I know, we've been gone for a while. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Yes, quite a while, isn't it? But I've got children stomping on the ceiling above me. Welcome to the Something With Tea podcast, episode 12. We know you've missed us. We've missed you. So we thought the apt topic for today's podcast would be, where have we been? And procrastination. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Do we have a third thing to talk about? Let's start with that. Yes. So where have we been? What have you been up to in the last couple of months, Steph? Work. Working. Being very tired. Very real. Yep. (laughs) Had ducky drama. What was the ducky drama? Our ducks got attacked by red kites. Are you talking about bird kites or flying with tails kites? The bird kind. They don't normally attack live things, but I think round here they're getting desperate. Hmm. (laughs) Yes, one of our ducks got fully attacked and had to be stitched up at the vets. That was awful. And Donald got properly airlifted by one and we thought he was dead. But then we searched around for him for two hours and we found him and he was relatively unscathed. Wow, that sounds dramatic. Very. Duck rescue. (laughs) Duck rescue. My goodness. We are building the Fort Knox of duck runs at the moment. We're waiting for all the bits to arrive and we are never letting them out of our sight again. (laughs) Well, I'm glad your ducks are safe. And I was a bit confused, I must admit, when you first mentioned this kite attack on your social media and and you said, my ducks have been attacked by a kite. And I was thinking diamond shape red kite with a tail and your duck being ensnared. (laughs) Are they bigger than ducks, kites? They've got a very big wingspan, so like their bodies probably not, but their wingspan is huge. So very dramatic. I must say I only put it on my social media just in case anyone found a rogue duck around my area because Donald has been known to escape and Mm. wander into people's houses. (laughs) Well, I'm glad your ducks are safe. But you haven't done have you done anything else exciting? What have I done that's (laughs) exciting over these last few months? I can't remember really. It must have been thrilling. carried on working a bit yeah buying selling mostly selling my mum's stuff but I like buying things bits and pieces for myself here and there yeah planning my children were at school that was good it was good for them to be at school end of year happened and you know the ability to congregate again has happened hasn't it you know like we've we've slowly been allowed out of lockdown yeah which I must admit has been a bit of a lifesaver to just be able to go and meet people again has been lovely. <laughs> and children went back to school and then, you know, slowly some things have returned more to normal, haven't they? Like you can go out to a restaurant and things like that. That happened. Yes. You know, to visit people. So that must have been quite important in your relationship. I got my man back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is very nice. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, you're going to get married then. <laughs> Well, it's actually our six years of being together next weekend, as this podcast has recorded. So, six years. Wow. <laughs> All my adult mm. life. Don't know, no pressure. Don't. I think marriage is ridiculous, to be honest. <laughs> the institution of owning another person, I think it's awful. Yeah. I don't know, I think we should invent something better. I agree. I don't know if you've heard, like, there's a lot of, um, this is probably a bit controversial. Don't go for should it. Should be controversial? Do it. If suddenly, like, institutions don't work for whatever reason or think people don't fit within the, the boundaries of said institution, yeah, like, getting married, does it work anymore? Is it is it what it should be? Should it be? 
it's a bit old fashioned. Mm. You know the word husband means owner, don't you? <laughs> but you, did you really want to be owned? No. Does anybody really want to be owned by another? No. Like the whole the whole concept. Like the fact that women are obviously pro feminism feminists here. Yes, we are. Reading Kasha's book, the what was it? Um, oh my goodness, yes. Which I love. Unbound: A Woman's Guide to Power. Which I, I think I'm, I'm still on chapter eleven because I keep reading it again and again because it's very oh, well, important I, chapter. 11. When it first came out, I read it three times oh my god it's so good yeah but you know women getting rid of like good girl conditioning whatever it is the social constructs of what what you are supposed to be according you know good girl like restrained mm. and outgoing and modest and sexual and all of these contradictions like that you you're supposed to play nice and if you make a mistake in the, you have to apologize and if you don't feel you're not sorry you're angry but you're not allowed to be angry like all, all of these things like yeah. women barely being out of slavery for the last 50 years not even 100 100 years since we've had the right to vote yeah. and being able to inherit property mm-hmm. and 30 years 40 years since you've been able to have a credit card your own credit line at a bank without your husband permission yeah and like your husband could rape you legally up until 1991 Mm. Uh, and and now even still you know i saw that they're not instituting minimum sentences for rapists or something that's been quashed they voted that out of the house of commons there's not going to be a minimum sentencing or something for rapists but there is now life imprisonment possibility for if you help a refugee Oh, for goodness sake. The world's got its priorities wrong. <laughs> yes. What was my point in marriage. that? Marriage. The point was women are buried out of slavery. So the institution of marriage was obviously created because you needed to be a good wife. That was what men men needed, good wives. Yeah. You know, women needed to be good wives. Men needed good wives. My children are being annoying again. I can hear them. <laughs> but if, um, yes, in, in various religions i was going to talk about religion or politics look Don't at me worry. This, this is a safe space you can say what you like ah, yes religion and politics okay so you know institution marriage is a, it's a contract yeah. of ownership you're betrothed your husband your husband means owner and um you know the contract of marriage you know the institution of marriage is kind of like a contract of sales and being owned so i kind of feel like even though it was in very tragic circumstances and having lost my husband because he passed away very suddenly and tragically. I also feel like an emancipated <laughs> slave. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Wow. I do. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like not having to, having, being able to make my own decisions. Do you know, I've heard that a couple of times, whether I've known people, whether husbands have died or they've got divorced, they're suddenly like, oh my gosh, I don't have to answer to anyone. Mm. <laughs> This is amazing. No, it's kind of weird. It's, I, I never want to be in a relationship again where I feel like I'm owned. I want to be able to make my own decisions all the time. Yeah, which I can completely understand. <laughs> I'm weird. I like the idea of marriage purely beca- for like the romantic yes. element, but... So have a love ceremony. <laughs> Do the dress. Have an officiant. Do, make some vows. But don't, don't sign any contracts. <laughs> don't sign any bits of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Make up your make up your own ceremony instead. <laughs> well, Geordie says marriage is betting someone half your stuff that you'll love them forever. <laughs> mm, I bet you half my stuff that I'll love you forever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which I always find funny. I'm I'm only old fashioned in a in a few certain ways, and that's one of them. Of mm-hmm. I just I want to get married. Will it change anything between me and Geordie? Absolutely not. But uh, I don't know. Mm. I just 
I like him to be my husband rather than my boyfriend or my partner. And I hate saying boyfriend because it sounds like you're 16 in the playground. <laughs> oh, bless. Oh, man. <laughs> Have this conversation in 20 years and see where you stand on the matter. <laughs> oh, one thing we did. Yeah. Geordie and I got a dog. <laughs> oh, Yes, I totally forgot about that. Yes, we got a dog. What's the dog's name? Nellie. Nellie. Oh. She is a border collie. So she is a fa- oh. she is a failed sheepdog. But we went lambing at Easter and they were like, oh, I don't think she's going to work out as a sheepdog because she doesn't herd sheep. So um, we acquired a Nellie. And um, yeah, we took her to her first puppy class last week. Oh. So we have two ducks, a dog and my fish. <laughs> and we don't even have a house. <laughs> or anything yet Noah's Ark <laughs> we, we have an agreement if we break up I take the dog he takes the ducks oh wow <laughs> okay because he's obsessed with the ducks mm. every single time he comes over I don't even know he's come over I'll just see him out the window like with a duck on his knee like, how long have you been here <laughs> oh I always remember something exciting I went out for dinner with my friend Jane we had a wonderful night out it was like release from prison. We went mm. out and celebrated and um, we got rather drunk. It was quite nice. Um, and in a quite a fancy-ish restaurant in a posh part of town. Yeah, we ended up drinking two bottles of wine. Amazing. And, um, I remember after that, I was looking at this TED Talk video about procrastination because I am a serial procrastinator. I have had that problem all my life. Not good with deadlines, with work, scheduling my own work, making my own methodical kind of timeline for a project or for a, a paper or whatever. I find it very hard to have like a organised work schedule where I start and have a, you know, get work done and then have yeah. do a bit more and do a bit more, do a bit more. And then at the end I finished and I handed it. No, my schedule of work is get really excited about the project. I get it on the first day. Maybe on that day, I go straight to the library, <laughs> read a load of books, and then have good intentions. But nothing happens then from that point until three days before handing. And at this point, I realise, oh my goodness, I've got to write 160 pages. <laughs> yeah. In three days. <laughs> I can do that. And I managed to, to yeah. do a few all-nighters and get my work done and hand it in. Um, on time. We've done that. We did that, didn't we? Yes. Well, I changed my subject of my dissertation three days before the deadline. So I didn't sleep for the whole three days. I probably just put a load of bollocks onto a page um, and handed it in. <laughs> but you passed. I passed. <laughs> um, I mean, I was starting to see colours. <laughs> I have synesthesia for anyone that knows what that is. That was intense, but I did it. So that's good. <laughs> well, we have to talk about your synesthesia and other... Did we talk about that on one of the podcast episodes? I don't think properly? we ever did. I think we were going well, to. we should do then. Yep, the weird thing that Steph has where she sees colours every time someone talks to her. <laughs> so I was watching this video on procrastination and this guy kind of explained it, that you have something to do and if you're a normal neurotypical person, like you, you, you set yourself a project timeline, do a bit in the first week, a bit in the second week, a bit more in the third week, fourth week, until you actually have completed most of the work, yeah. then you can hand in the project. But he has this diagram where you're not able to do the, the work 
at all, not able to do anything. And then all of a sudden at the end, you have to do everything all at once. Yeah. And this made complete sense to me. And then, as I said, I'd been out with my friend Jane on a night out, had a really good time. And I'd recommended a book for her to read, which I also recommend everybody to read, which is a new book by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce D. Perry called What Happened to You? Amazing book about what happened to you, which which basically if we consider more about what happened to each of us, maybe we'd be a bit more considerate about each other's life journey and choices, etc. That makes sense. Um, There's always a reason for why people behave in the way they do. And it's not usually because they're bad apples or bad eggs or, or something's wrong with them per se. It's more about what's happened to them that's, that's affected the way they're able to behave. Because in the, in the moment, heated moment of crisis, you can't behave rationally. Yeah. It's very difficult to behave rationally. And that's because there's a primal part of your brain that kicks in that kind of takes over your upper brain function, your lower brain survival brain takes over. And you can't function in a rational, normal way. So anyway, this book is about that. Really good. And I'd recommended it to Jane. Jane's like, I've had enough. I've had enough with all this. What's happened to you? I know what's happened to me, but there's something else. (laughs) I think. And then she was like, she came back to me and said, I think I've got ADHD. I hope Jane doesn't mind me talking about this. (laughs) Do you know, quite a few people have said to me, oh, I realised like very late in life that I've got ADHD and it explained so much my entire life. <laughs> well, this is the thing. She was like, I think I've got ADHD. Have a look at this because I think, you know, all of this looking at the past, enough is enough. I, I need to have an explanation for the way my brain functions. And I was like, okay, but I'm more into this what happened to you theory. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so she'd sent me this article and I didn't read it for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden I went and I read it and I was like, oh my goodness, I think I have ADHD. <laughs> because it explains the procrastination yeah. as well. Totally. I mean, all of this self-assessment that you do online, from both of the self-assessments I've done, I've come out on top saying, you are highly likely to have ADHD. Go and get tested by a medical, go and see a medical professional yeah. and ask them, ask them to get tested. It's really uncanny, the amount of... Um, stuff in that test that I that I scored on yeah I feel like I I have two completely different mental states at work I am meticulously organized to a ridiculous degree yeah I'm ridiculously good at deadlines yeah all that lovely stuff I get really annoyed when other people aren't good at deadlines (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't mean to it's just I managed to do it kind of thing but in my personal life I am the most disorganized cluttered ridiculously procrastinating human being you'll ever meet wow <laughs> it's weird yeah but I, I i could be <laughs> extremely organized at work but it was all an act <laughs> some of the questions how often do you have difficulty concentrating on what people say to you even when they're speaking to you directly all the time how often do you leave your seat in meetings at other situations which you're expected to remain seated all the time if i was in the middle of a lecture i'd sit at the back or sit at the end of an aisle so that I could get up, go out, pretend I needed to go to the toilet and come back again because I find it really hard to sit down for long hmm. lengths of time. How often do you have difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself? Hmm. Very often. I always find something to do that needs to be done even when I'm supposed to be relaxing. When you're in a conversation, how often do you find yourself finishing the sentence of the people you're talking to before they can finish yeah. it? Yourself? I think I just did that, didn't I, when you were talking, Steph? <laughs> 
Oh, I do it all the time too. Don't worry. I'm aware I'm interrupting people when I do it. I'm not doing it to interrupt you. My brain's firing. Processing what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. How often do you put off things until the last minute? Mm -hmm. Mm, Very often. (laughs) Wonder why we're doing this now. (laughs) Like I say, this isn't my job. So... I'm like, oh, we'll do it next week. Oh, we'll do it next week. Oh, we'll do it next week. (laughs) Whereas if it was my job, I'd be like, right, we're doing it now. (laughs) And here's all the pre-work I've done. I've given you notes. (laughs) And the last question is, how often do you depend on others to keep your life in order and attend to details? Very often, all the time, I do. If I don't have someone else helping me out with stuff, you're getting a complete... I'd I'd live in chaos, basically. (laughs) living chaos yeah i'm trying so hard at the moment to do one thing a day that actually keeps my shit together even if it's like Mm -hmm. a load of washing on just hoover sort a fish tank out a day it's just something that kind of keeps Mm -hmm. maintains my life in a positive way like i was saying to you i've joined the gym but i have to have people to join the gym with otherwise i'll never go i need the peer pressure Mm. i wonder if that's connected as well maybe I wonder if you've got ADHD as well. <laughs> I, I'd say I maybe identified with like one point that you said. And do you do this? I lose things constantly, mm. all the time. Oh, yes. This is a massive trait for ADHD, losing things. Yep. Not knowing where you've put things down yep. and losing this. Like my microphone. How long did it take me to find my microphone? <laughs> a long time. I thought it was just because I was scatty and messy and untidy But it makes a lot more sense Mm. to me that my brain is neurodivergent and actually my brain is firing on so many different things all at once that it's very hard for me to put things in the same place every time. So I'm very hopeful now that I can learn strategies or I can look at the way I behave as being neurodivergent and I'll be able to find ways to help myself rather than just feeling shame around having lost something again because I'm obviously messy and untidy. It's rather, no, I misplaced something. I did something because my brain isn't isn't concentrating on the same things. So I have to have better strategies in place for looking after the things that I need. Mm. For example, one of my coping methods for not having a phone charging cable is to own 10 phone charging cables. Yeah. So if I have 10 of them and they're scattered around the house, then I'm bound to find (laughs) one phone charging cable. Keys, I have two sets of keys. I have an emergency set. Yeah, I do too. And I have my actual set. So if I can't find my keys, I can say, okay, I can get the emergency set out. Oh, I have a great thing for if you're terrible at losing your keys. It's called Tile. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny little keychain thing that you attach. Basically, you can call it from your phone. Or if you just have your keys, compress a button on it and it calls your phone. Mm. It's literally revolutionised my life. (gasps) So you can find your phone when you can't find your phone. Yes, because it it rings. Nice. It's amazing. Get it. The battery's died in it now, but, um, <laughs> but they send you a new battery when it runs out, which is cool. really good. It's like 20 quid. Just get it. Oh, yes, that would be very helpful. I, I do find find my phone helps. Beep, 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 beep. So even if it's on silent, it will make it 
make a noise, which is helpful. I get my Alexa to call my phone a lot if I can't find it. But if you've left it on silent, will it still ring? No, it just buzzes. Whereas the tile thing, it does override if your phone's on silent, which I like. Does it? Yeah. No, that's good. No, it's very good. Yeah. Because the, the find my phone wouldn't work the other way. Like it wouldn't help me find my keys. My keys are going to stay mm. lost. Having the feeling that... I might have ADHD or have a lot of these um, signifiers, whatever you call them, for having ADHD. It's something that I want to explore further. I'm looking forward to finding out if I have got ADHD or not. And anyway, using the strategies that they suggest, like having a box that you put your phone and your keys in, rather than just having a small dish that yeah. I can, you know, like actually have a big box that says on it, Charlotte's box. <laughs> <laughs> and that box is a specific place for putting certain things like my wallet, my phone, my keys. Yeah, definitely. So if you are thinking, oh my goodness, maybe I might have ADHD, you can look on the attitudemag.com website. It's A-D-D-itude, I-T-U-D-E, attitude website. And they have some tests for... ADHD and also specifically for women with ADHD so yeah and I did both of their tests and then they suggest the next step is to go and get tested so they've got a self-test for women specifically for women with ADHD or yeah. if you think you might have ADHD and some of the questions on that are do you feel overwhelmed in stores at the office or at parties do you feel as if life is out of control, that it's impossible to meet demands? Are you clueless as how to other manage to lead consistent, regular lives? Do you often have trouble balancing your finances? Do you watch others of equal intelligence and education pass you by? Does time, money, paper or stuff dominate your life and hamper your ability to achieve your goals? Yes. Do you hesitate to have people over to your house because you're ashamed of the mess? Yes, I am. So anyway, I, I, I really um, resonated with so many of these questions as very, you know, yes, that is me 100%. I have problems staying organised, holding it together. And I thought that was just who I am. But if it's because of my, me having a neurodivergent brain, that explains so much. Yeah. I mean, I dropped out of school twice, Steph. I dropped out. I didn't finish school. I didn't finish my A-levels. Wow. And that is ridiculous. Because I am very intelligent. I've gone on to learn... No, you are. Learn a foreign language, learn a new religion, and do two degrees. One of which in the other language. <laughs> One of which in the other language. Yeah, I have like a first degree in art history, which I did in Hebrew. And, you know, it's art history and general studies. And that was the perfect degree with someone with ADHD because the, the degree in makeup was very difficult for me. One reason was because of those stupid learning outcomes that they make you oh my god I know that they make you write in a very awkward way to fill in the information that they're looking for but it's for me it was really really hard to write according to learning outcomes that's not mm. my natural way of writing and significantly in that degree I did much worse than I did doing my art history and general studies degree that I did in the foreign language because that degree I could choose many different I did seminars and I did courses on very varied and diverse topics so I even though I did, did the introduction to the renaissance in the next year you had to choose a seminar so I chose a seminar about a particular artist yeah. and then it was learning about that artist and writing about them and researching them and then in the next year you did a more focused seminar 
on a, a different artist. I did um, a seminar on um, the Rococo and I chose an artist called Vateau and I researched this artist called Vateau and who he was and what he'd done and I wrote all about some of the people that appear in his pictures. I hated Watteau's art <laughs> and I thought that I would use that hatred to inspire me to to write about him and I actually ended up falling in love with the artist and falling in love with his story. I, I was learning French at the time and I managed to read and translate French academic papers wow. for this seminar that I, that I did. And then in the next year I did a seminar about Leonardo da Vinci and I did one about Raphael and then I ended up writing about the rooms in the Vatican. But anyway, the fact that these seminars were so varied and diverse and there was so much to learn with it, I did so well. I literally finished my degree with a 94% grade average. Wow. So that type of degree was perfect for someone with, with ADHD because I got to choose. I did a course in the introduction to Japan and then I did a more focused course on Japanese no theatre. And I did a course on comedy and tragedy in the theatre um, Shakespeare, and then uh, Renaissance comedy. And I did a course in Russian literature. I did a course in, you know, anthropology, archaeology, musicology. I did a course from Bach to the Beatles, and then I did a course in musical theatre. Oh, amazing. Which was amazing. And you get to study cabaret. I mean, who wouldn't want to study oh, cabaret? Like the actual history of cabaret theatre, and then the film, the movie, Cabaret. <laughs> It was the best course ever. It was. I did so well. I really loved it. It was fabulous. But then, like, going on to do the art history degree, I really found it hard. It was so hard because of the way that they wanted you to regurgitate the information. We are going to teach you all this information. You have to now regurgitate exactly what we've taught you in this particular nuanced way. Wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was. wasn't independent thinking about it, particularly. No, not at all. So perhaps that's why I couldn't do it, because it was just too boring. <laughs> I know. Well, I found it incredibly boring. And because they chose the topics for you, yes, you had a tiny bit of creative license, but not much at all. Yeah. I just found it so boring. Unit that I actually got first in was literally because I wrote the storyline to the thing in my head. Therefore, I could delve into it more. Whereas mm. being told you have to do bloody Beatrix Potter in the style of the Muppets made me want to kill myself. <laughs> How much can you study? Jim Henson? Jim, yeah. Jim Henson. If there'd have been more choice within the degree yes. to choose what you want to study yes. and what, what you want to do. And you can choose this course, this course or this course for each semester then I'm sure we would have got on much better. Absolutely. There was no choice at all. It was no. like you study this unit, and then once you finish that, you study the next unit, and once you finish that, you study the next. I wasn't expecting that at all. But anyway, I think for a neurodivergent person, that course is very difficult to do. Yeah. Which is weird, because it's supposed to be, you know, creative people in the arts, you know, the theatre, and, you know, having that creative flair is supposed to be something that's developed, or you'd think it would be more geared towards people who are neurodivergent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if they'd split it right. into the specialisms, mm -hmm. that would have been good. Because I felt like I was not interested in hair, fashion, anything like that. Mm -hmm. It literally was the most boring thing in the world to me. I wanted to do prosthetics. Mm. And I feel like we only ever skim the surface of prosthetics. Mm. That's not why I did this course. They could have made it much more technical on skills and had that enriched with 
courses to do with culture. Oh, my children. Don't worry, ah, I'm being attacked by a cat. <laughs> but they could have had that enriched with various culture study courses that you could take on a... Oh, my children literally killing each other upstairs. I have to go. Oh, my God. To be continued, Steph. To be continued. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening, and hopefully we won't leave it so long next time. <laughs>